And we're live with the Soul Love Podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm Gria. And we are coming to you live today from Hobart, Tasmania with the Soul Love Podcast. So what Soul Love is, is just think of it. It's like if Barry White and Oprah had a love child (laughs) (laughs) and that love child was a podcast, it would be Soul Love. (laughs) Can't get enough of your love, baby. So if you don't know who we are, and if you're listening to this, you probably do. But anyway, (laughs) who we are and what we do at Soul Love is we work with singles and couples to awaken their heart centers to deepen their capacity to give and receive love. And we're really excited to share with you today some of our information, some of our story, um, with the intention that you too can also cultivate and live with soul love in your life. Mm, yeah, and the way the way this podcast is going to look, it's going to be for those of you who know us, we work really organically and really honestly and um, share a lot, uh, you know, some really profound teachings, but also relate it back to our own experience of them so that people can get a real life example And what we're going to be doing today is uh, sharing a passage from a book uh, by Dr. Robert Augustus Masters, who is an amazing writer. For those of you who don't know him, uh, we highly recommend you checking him out. And this is a passage from his book called Transformation Through Intimacy. And um, yeah, what we're going to do is I'm going to read a bit of a passage and then we're going to share our example of that and kind of really put it into practice with the intention of... Um, supporting and um, yeah, guiding those listeners because I know sometimes I've you know I can hear these amazing principles or ideas and they're they're really good, but then how do we actually implement them and how do they play out and how do we move through you know the stickiness that can arise when we're on the path and we're going deep? So mm. yeah, nice. Yeah, so I'll start just by prefacing a little bit about what's happened in the book up until now. And there's a couple of, there's just two key concepts that I'd like to share. And it talks about, um, you know, that there are multiple stages through different relationships. And um, although this, the stages and the phases will overlap somewhat, once we're in, you know, once we've moved through that first phase and we're onto the second phase, we don't really go back. Some of the patterns and some of the habits may still arise. If you think about a shore kind of lapping, it kind of comes up and down and comes up and down, but the tide is kind of moving in. Yeah. So the what's relevant to this passage, if I explain just the three key phases, and that is that first stage of relationship, which um, Robert terms as the me-centered phase. And that's very ego-driven. Essentially, it's about what's in it for me. Quite often, there's one partner who's kind of um, a bit leading and a bit more like, oh, what's in it for me? And so the second, the other partner can seem to be a little bit more passive or attentive, but actually what's often driving that um, that behavior of like tending towards the other one and looking after the other one is actually a desire to be loved. And so they're doing what they can to follow the other person so that they can be lovable, essentially. So that's that first phase called me-centered. <clears throat> the second phase is the we-centered phase. And this is broken up into individual stages, but essentially it's where, you know, there's recognition that the individuals are important, but the relationship is in some ways more important. So 
the relationship provides like a huge level of security. It's like a sanctum. So often the couple will kind of retreat together to just get away from the world and just be together. And it's that kind of phase. And when what's important also to say is that all of these phases are necessary. So it's not about going, oh my God, I can't believe I used to go to kinder. You know, like we have to go to kinder so we can start high school mm. and then we might go into, you know, so it's like, um, yeah. Um, and the, at this stage is still, although there's a lot of um, perhaps closeness, there might be a lot of safety, there, it does lack full vulnerability. So there are some subjects that are still taboo and there's some things that people kind of keep to themselves because it's a bit too dark, it's a bit too... You know, it's those, those thoughts and things that we don't want to have, so we just kind of want to push them under the carpet and not necessarily mm. talk about them. And that third phase is the being-centred phase. And this is where we really find freedom through our intimacy. And the freedom, in some ways, it's the most deep connection, but the freedom comes from total permission to really be fucking real about what's going on for us. And we do it from this place of full self-responsibility. So although things arise, we're not projecting and kind of um, we can really talk about everything, everything that's coming up, especially those bits that we don't like and that we're not proud of. And yet, so we're sharing it so as to put it in the light. Um, yeah. Does that make sense? Just for you listening to that, Aaron? Yeah, of course. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's bringing up a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, it's super cool. So, and then the next little, just a tiny bit I want to talk about is that Although those stages, as I said, they progress from one to the other, they can overlap a little bit. They're stages, but what happens is that we actually experience states. So there might be states, some of them are really high, some of them are low, some of them are mellow, you know, some of them are edgy. The states can appear at any stage of relationship, but depending on which stage we are in when we experience a state affects our experience of them. Yeah, so I'm going to stop talking now. Well, I'm going to keep talking, but I'm going to start reading. <laughs> There's just a little bit. So this is talking about the example of how our states uh, change when we're at different phases. So, for example, we are angry at our partner, so angry that we get reactive, letting our anger mutate into aggression. What we are saying and doing is all but automatic. The word react says it all, to re act. It's pre-scripted and we're caught up in its predictable momentum, swept along by our fired up righteousness. Sound familiar? It happens to all of us, no matter how evolved we may take ourselves to be. In short, we've gotten ourselves into a state, quite a state. Now what do we do with it? This depends on how we interpret and treat it. If we're primarily operating from an egocentric perspective, we'll just go ahead and let fly not questioning our reactivity unless perhaps it is met with enough force to shake us out of our trance. However, if we're mostly we-centred, then we'll recognise our reactivity, at least to some degree, as something harmful to our relationship. Even as we let it proceed, we, our recognition acts as a breaking force here so that we are less likely to stay with our reactivity for as long as we would if we were mainly me-centred. Our concern for our us-ness our co-created intersubjectivity or relatedness keeps some wakefulness operating while we are busy being reactive. And if we are mostly being-centred, our reactivity usually does not get very far, for it is almost always seen for what it is right from its inception, and so it is not allowed to build up so much steam. Here we relate to it rather than from it. That is, we are no longer identified with it. 
We then do not try to get rid of our reactivity, but instead simply cultivate a relationship with it that keeps it in its place. And even when we do indulge in some reactivity, which most commonly arises during times of exhaustion or stress, we know that we are doing it and are able to admit this and do whatever cleanup is needed. Mic drop. (laughs) So, yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So do you want to share, yeah, what's what's your kind of sense of that or interpretation? What's that brought up for you? Right? It's brought up so much. I don't really know where to start. Yeah. I, um, I guess what's coming up for me first is the where couples often get stuck is at the we stage mm-hmm. because that really requires a vulnerability yeah. to, to move through into that being and not everyone is comfortable with being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Brene Brown says it best that, you know, vulnerability is our um, doorway to intimacy and connection, um, but it requires a lot of courage mm-hmm. because what we're often being vulnerable with is our shame mm-hmm. and those aspects of ourselves that we either reject or deny or are embarrassed about. Um, and, there's also enormous freedom in allowing those aspects of ourselves to be shown. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I believe Robert was talking about is the freedom through the intimacies, the freedom to be ourselves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And of course, that connection when we're loved from that space, when we're loved from our shame and those darker aspects that we you know, don't like. Mm. And we're loved through that. That's where the intimacy is like, whoa. Yeah. That's where it penetrates deeper and deeper. Yeah, that reminds me of the last couples retreat we ran Mm. down here in Tasmania. And one of the insights I got from uh, at the end of that retreat was Mm. one of the greatest gifts. And the language was very specific because obviously you are my partner and you are my queen. and. Mm. The language was the greatest gift I've got from woman is to be loved through my shadows. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that came from me revealing aspects of myself that I thought was quote unquote wrong. Mm. Um, And then in me having the courage to reveal those you know, my inner darkness essentially to you, but you still loving me through that Mm. was so powerful Mm. um, and so transformative. Yeah, yeah. And I believe that's what makes our relationship really unique, strong and loving. Yeah. Is, you know, when we met, we were already on our paths of doing the work Mm -hmm. um, and doing the work of like growth and, and healing and, Self awareness, mm-hmm. and just the deeper we go, we I think what we commit to ultimately is our truth, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and our truth ties into what we're really feeling, what we're really thinking, and sometimes what we're really feeling and thinking can be a bit embarrassing, mm-hmm. it can be a bit shameful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know for me, I had a lot of fear in 
revealing these aspects of myself because what if it really hurt you? Mm-hmm. What if it created yeah conflict? Yeah. Um, but ultimately, because we are so committed to our truth and living our truth and living from that place of authenticity, mm. you know, that's what's really brought us to this deep soul of love that we have today. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, and, you know, that particular time that you're talking about, like that, for me, that was, um, I felt so honoured that you would be so honest with me you know it was a real honor and so Mm. it was very much and you know everything that was revealed was you know and some of it did hurt yeah some Mm. of it hurt but I knew it was about you Mm. I knew it wasn't about me and that was challenging to really kind of really allow myself to um, both feel the pain or feel that you know what it brought up in me and also and allow that feeling and also to see beyond that and know what was really happening and um, you know, the trust that we have one another. Like I just, I have so much trust in you because I know you just, <laughs> you're always so honest with me. So even when the truth is not particularly comfortable, mm. I feel safe in that. And yeah. of course, you know, that truth and love, they're synonymous and, uh, and power, you know, it's all power, truth, love. It's all the one mm-hmm. courage. It's all the one. Yeah. So, um, that, that like strengthens that. And of course, what was, and the other thing is that I didn't actually have, once I kind of got over me and the, how, it, how I was feeling about it, I didn't actually have judgment over it. I just saw it. So mm. you were bringing it into the light and it was a beautiful thing to hold that in the light and hold you while you're in your darkness. Mm. And what, what I found is that a month or so ago when I was doing some like deep shame work, like deep, deep shame work with you and had yeah. like, you know, conversations that like, you know, even though we've had so many conversations, just like the another layers come up, all this subconscious stuff that I haven't quite realized and memories popping up and, and sharing that that with you. I had the the knowing from past experience of you revealing your deepest stuff to me and me knowing that, you know, I, I just honored you for it, that that mm. really provided me with a lot of um, courage to go to go through and say mm. what I need to say and reveal yeah. what I yeah. need to reveal. Yeah. And as you did reveal that, I knew just what a gift I was giving you in holding you in that space and loving you anyway because yeah. you'd given that to me. Yeah. And for me too, it was a real honour. Yeah. And it, it's so it was so interesting because like my deepest, darkest stuff, you're sort of like, no, it's fine. And then yeah. you reveal your deepest, darkest stuff. And for me, it's like, no, don't worry about <laughs> yeah, it. Like it's no big deal. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah, yeah. so totally. So, um. So, okay, cool. So moving like into like that moment of like how do we um, move through spaces when we are like, so yesterday we went through a couple of things. It was mainly me going through a couple of things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for clarifying that. (laughs) And you holding space for that. So I'd love to kind of give the listeners a bit of a – insight to your experience of yesterday and you know how we talked about those different levels of when at that me centered phase is just the unconscious reactivity the mm. we centered we're reacting um but we're kind of aware this impact environment we just we can't really help it so we just kind of do it anyway but it doesn't go for as long and then that you know that um third phase of being centered so that when something's coming up for us we're um we're rather than reacting um from it we're kind of um behaving like being aware of it but we're not actually being in it totally 
the, the reactivity. So mm. does that kind of make sense what I just said? It doesn't, but we can clarify. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So reactivity, I think, is something that we all experience and it's what we often term as being triggered. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah. And in Robert's other book, Revealing Our Shadows, mm. he says that reactivity is you know, the cornerstone of our shadow. And anytime mm. we're in reaction, it's because of something in our shadow, which is in our subconscious, those sort of thoughts, beliefs, traumas that we want to suppress and forget mm-hmm. about and mm-hmm. rather just not even own or even acknowledge that they're there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anytime we find ourselves reacting, quite often it's our shadow stuff and that mm-hmm. can relate into our not enoughness, our unlovability, our lack of worth, which mm-hmm. ultimately just comes down to our conditioning. Yeah. The beautiful thing about conditioning is we can be reconditioned mm-hmm. and that it's actually not the truth of who we are mm-hmm. and why we really honour and uh, work with soul love is because soul love is away from the conditioning. Yeah. But to get to soul love, we've got to work through our conditioning, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is our shadow, <laughs> which is our that. shame, <laughs> which requires vulnerability, which means we've got to be courageous and yeah. move through the fears of being rejected and um, and not being enough, mm. all this all this stuff that we as a collective all experience. Everyone experiences it. It's just some people when they feel their shame, maybe they when they react, they get angry. Mm-hmm. Or when some people are feeling their shame and they react, they go into victim and, and martyr mm-hmm. and sort of close themselves off. Yeah. And I think, you know, for us, that the conditioning between you and I, I'd say is for you to go is more like that heater, that fiery passion, energy anger more and for me it's more that martyr down so yeah one's uh, a a, an outwards expression one goes in so it's a polarity of the same thing yeah um yeah and we often see that in in couples yeah and in a very uh, common dynamic in relationships is one the narcissist which is just the me centered Mm -hmm. and one the codependent which Mm -hmm. is putting you know, other people first and yeah. lack of boundaries, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. a very common dynamic and sometimes it can just be very subtle. Yeah. You know, the narcissist term can uh, certainly conjure up a lot of images and feelings of someone who's just extremely self-centered, extremely mm-hmm. ego-based, but, you know, it can just be subtle. Mm-hmm. It can just be someone who's, yeah. you know, just puts themselves first a bit yeah. more in yeah. a relationship and... yeah. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just yeah. the dynamic. It's just how it is. And again, do you think the conditioning, like in terms of whether you're a single child or whether you've got siblings or whether you're the youngest or the oldest child, that's the thing that would all play into that? A hundred percent. So yeah, take a guess. So just for listeners, um, just to give you a bit of context, I am an only child. <laughs> I'm the youngest of three girls. And that might give you a bit of an idea as to... Who plays the narcissist role and who's the more yeah. and that was more at the beginning of yeah. our relationship yeah, yeah. when we were in the me we yeah. phases yeah and to for us I certainly feel that we spend majority of our time in the being yeah of course phase yeah. of our relationship but we've yeah. had to work through yeah I've had to work through my 
um, my own ego. It's all about me stuff, and you've had to work through your martyr, mm-hmm. just do everything for everyone else stuff, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the the over nurturing, over giving. Yeah. yeah, and of course, it makes sense that we attract an, uh, we attract a, a partner who's going to enable us to yeah. express ourselves in that way. Of yeah. course, uh, the more narcissist person wants to find yeah. a you know an overgiver yeah. and that sort of thing like it, and the overgiver wants to find someone that they can overgive to yeah, yeah. subconsciously so Give their love to yeah so it's important so that they're loved yeah yeah so exactly. it's important that um we also state that this isn't you know one's neither better or worse this isn't about judgment this is all about awareness self-awareness and you know whether we're in relationship or not it's really powerful to to look at that um you know, look at our conditioning, look at our childhood, you know, experience so far and like, hmm, what am I? So that we can be aware of this. So again, it's not about, um, you know, clearing out all of our shadows so that we never have to work through them again. It's about um, deepening our understanding, our respect and our acceptance of these different aspects of ourselves. And then when we come into an intimate relationship, having the freedom to be uh, able to express those mm. from a place of, again, not being caught in them necessarily, but just kind of sharing them. And that's what we also do. Yeah. 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 So that's what we also do when we're in that space is is to kind of, I know that we will often say, look, I want to, ex- you're really good at asking me, which you had to ask me, I think, twice yesterday, <laughs> is there something that you need to express? Yeah. And it's like, okay. I'm going to express something. And I said, look, there is something, but I'm I'm aware that I'm caught in something. And you do the same thing when you're caught in it. It's like, so we don't necessarily want to speak when we're still in it, not from not because we want to pretend it's not there, but because we want to kind of just move that initial kind of whatever's going on because we know it's our stuff. Yeah, exactly. And this is going back to the point you raised before. Um, I don't remember the language it was relating from it yeah. instead of can you just read that again because yeah, yeah. this is what we're about to clarify yeah and that's exactly um i will find it here so um uh, that's the states pass from us but we pass from stage to stage and uh yeah so it's about so we relate to it rather than from it yeah so what's it what do you well, whatever's going on. So for me yesterday, I had some um, stuff coming up. I was, I've some hurt or some sadness. Right. So rather than... So it's emotion, yeah? Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. That's important to clarify. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what allows us to, to move through these states and to stay in our stage of beingness is expressing, but not blaming, mm. not... Uh, projecting mm-hmm. our emotions onto the other, we simply own what we're feeling and mm-hmm. state it how it is. And what enables us to do that is say, quite often, there's an aspect of me that's feeling hurt, and because I don't feel heard, etc. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or I'm f- there's I'm just feeling angry. Mm-hmm. At the moment, and just stating the emotion as it is, not going into the story mm-hmm. of like you always fucking do this, and every yeah. time, yeah, I seem to want to help you, just run off and yeah. you never hear any of that. It's mm-hmm. just really mm-hmm. owning the the emotion of it, yeah, which takes a high degree of self awareness, yeah, yeah, and catching yourself in the moment. Oh, I'm feeling triggered. There's an emotion in my body. There's yeah. a feeling in my body. Yeah. What is it? Honor it. Own it. Mm. 
and then just that really enables us, I believe, to work through our reactivity, which yeah. is moving through our shadow and our conditioning, so yeah. we can experience our soul love. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, beautiful babe. And and it um, what it does also by staying to the essence. And not going to the story, it means that we can see where the other is at. And I think that's where a lot of couples also go wrong is that they're so kind of caught on being right or being in whatever they're feeling. They're trying to get the other person to see their perspective yeah. by involving the story. And often, especially women are great at this, they've got like lots of history catalogued there of all these times that these things happen. Remembering all the little things. Yeah, and all this suppressed <laughs> stuff when they haven't said anything now, it's all building up, like classic example. But it's that whole like... Um, sharing our experience or sharing the essence of what we're feeling rather than trying to project or prove our rightness. And so to give like a, a really specific example of one of the things that went on um, yesterday. And so this is also good to show that so like Aaron and I still experience these kind of like waves, yeah, because we we do, but they, they're momentary. And so yesterday, the, the language between us, you said to me, you know, something had happened. You said to me, is there something you want to express? And I said, I'm aware of the story, but the feeling is that of feeling unappreciated and unsupported. Mm. And then you just kind of received that and heard it and you waited and then you said, do you remember? (laughs) No, but I I actually initially reacted to it Mm. because I had my own perspective on the situation and that I knew you didn't understand Mm -hmm. or see. Mm Mm-hmm. So I don't remember what I said. What so, I so then, so you waited about ten seconds, yes. and then you said, <laughs> "In my reactivity, I yeah. didn't react straight away, yeah. but I just yeah. breathed into it." Yeah, which again shows that it doesn't mean like we can still react. It's just being a workout. I'm aware that I'm in reactivity at the moment. So yeah, you don't and act breathe on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you breathe, and then you said, "Well, I feel like I have to be Superman." Oh, that's right. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yes. And then, and so I saw that, and so the challenge in this is that. Like I heard you say that. And so what was beautiful in that moment, I could see from your perspective. I'm like, oh, okay. And remember these perspectives stand side by side that neither of them is right or wrong. They're both true. Yeah. It's, mm. it's where we're at. It's, it's what we were in at that time. Um, but so rather than trying to make it, you should, you should be more focused on my perspective. I should be your focus on your perspective. Just okay. Okay. There is a, and there's B. Mm. Yeah. Okay. A and B. It's mm. neither A or B and not, mm. neither is better. And then, and it takes a level of um, uh, maturity, but also uh, humility. Yeah. Yeah. To not have to, especially when secretly we know that we're the ones who are right. <laughs> I'm joking, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely have phases of that where, like, I can see your perspective, but I'm still pretty sure that mine is right. Whereas early in the day, I'd been triggered by something. And again, I was totally aware it was my stuff. Like, because yeah. I, I went into like, Aaron's perspective and I could totally see his perspective I could so totally see the truth of it but for whatever reason I was just caught in this like a bit of a um just emotional thing yesterday and that's the thing sometimes sometimes we're just in these waves and there's could be energetic there could be planetary stuff going on so it's a matter of riding through that so I think uh, it would help the listeners to give a bit of context as what led to us in that be to be in that situation yesterday okay so I went, I went and had a theta healing session and it was really deep and profound and um, I had quite a few big shifts from it. And we're also in a phase of our life and business where there's actually quite a lot to do at the moment and 
few stresses that come along with that. And so I'd come home after doing quite deep inner work. There's a lot to do. And I walk upstairs and Grizz decided to um, totally reorganize and clear out like our quote unquote office space. And there was just stuff all over the floor. I was like, okay. And I sat down and we, we chatted about my theta and everything and that, and that was cool. And then I was just looking around at all the little things that needed organizing and I already had in my mind all the things I wanted to do and I just felt completely overwhelmed. And I was just like, ah, and I just stated, I'm just overwhelmed. I'm just going to leave like the room. And I just went and did a few other things outside while I just gathered myself. And because I'd experienced that overwhelmed, I didn't say, you know, fuck you, why would you have to go and make all this mess? I was just like, I'm feeling this is just too overwhelming at the moment. Mm. And just sort of left the situation, Mm. um, which triggered that abandonment and was it not being appreciated for you? Mm. So, you know, that gives the listeners a bit of context as to um, what brought us to that stage. And... um, yeah, I said, you know, I feel like I've got to be Superman because I just, I feel like I've just got to do so much at the moment. And if I don't, um, you sort of fall apart, which mm. is a, a classic masculine feminine thing. It's mm. not, it's not classically us, but it was a real, um, a real prime example of that masculine needing, want, wanting to do and feeling the responsibility of needing to do so much. Mm. And if he doesn't, the fear there is the feminine's going to fall apart and um, everything. Mm. So it's actually really interesting for me to hear that more detailed um, description of your experience because it really shows the polarity of my experience <laughs> and just how different they are. And so if we had have gone into argument, which I mean we don't fight, you know, we, we could have, yeah, but we, we didn't, yeah, because yeah. we we navigate like yeah. our triggers. Yeah. Without the story, but we yeah. easily could have gone into. Yeah. So for the benefit of the listener, and it's interesting because I'm really noticed, I'm really having to tune in with myself here and go, hang on, am I am I just wanting to like, have right. a chance to, yeah, to be right? <laughs> but I think it is also interesting for the listeners to hear the other perspective. Cause yeah, I, of course. Because, That's what I say. Yeah, because yeah. you guys aren't in it. You'll see, oh, yeah, because I'm sure whether you're in relation, current relationship or previous relationship or, you know, moving into a new relationship, again, this is why we always share personally because we know that this is the real stuff. This is what mm. people go through. So so my experience was um, you were, we'd had like a pretty like uni morning. We'd be like mm. reading in the sun and being beautiful. And then um, you went off to Theta. And so I still wasn't in a space to really like get in my full masculine and do because we had, you know, there was lots that we, we do have to do. And there's a bit of, you know, pressure, like financial pressure around, you know, what, you know, generating some income and stuff. So, but I knew I wasn't really in the space to do that. So rather than act from a space of fear, I came in, kind of came into our office space and there's, there just has been shit everywhere. We've had like a corner where we've just kind of been putting stuff in and it's just getting harder and harder to find things. So for me, I thought, okay, I'm going to like put on, we've got a playlist that we listen to called Guilty Pleasures. <laughs> <laughs> so I went through Guilty Pleasures, but like all of like my favorite Guilty Pleasures. And so I put on like really nice feminine, soft music. Um, and then I just go, right, I'm just going to get everything out and put it all out in the lounge room, like in, in the space so that I can actually clear it so that when Aaron does come home, we can work from like a really, um, 
you know, clear, energetic space. Yeah, which I appreciate. <laughs> so, but again, none of this, he hadn't, I hadn't told him this. No. The only thing you just said, oh, can you write like a to-do list of the things that we need to do? So part of my things is we had our awesome scrum board, which we got from our previous awesome business coach, Gabby. And, and like, I was like putting post-it notes, but I was just going through every drawer, especially like, and pretty much this, you know how you have a filing cabinet or a drawer set and there's always that one drawer, which is just for the stuff that you don't know where to put it. This entire thing was all of that stuff. Like all the drawers are all jumbled and stuff. So I'm like, right. So I did like binfuls of, of waste, but I did it from this really kind of balanced space. And I was kind of in the sense that I wasn't expecting you to come home and go, oh, awesome, thanks so much for cleaning up or anything. But, but like, I hadn't consciously – I wasn't conscious of that. Yeah, but that's because it wasn't cleaned up. If it had been – you were still halfway through it. That's all right. Okay? Yep. <laughs> thanks for interrupting, Aaron. <laughs> you see the look? I just came <laughs> I didn't mean to. It just kind of came out of my eyes. Anyway, <laughs> so by the time – and so basically when – Aaron came home, I was trying to, I was aware, I was trying to get it all done, not rushing it, I just wanted to have it all done by the time Aaron came home so we could kind of move on with our day. And then when he came, I was, I just got to that spot where I'd put like, I'd actually put 90% of it away, I'd done like heaps of it, but then there was all the bits that I really didn't know what to do with and this is the point where I tend to just go, okay, I'm just going to leave this and then put it all up back into one <laughs> box and then leave. And I was like, I was like, but I was committed, but I was feeling quite overwhelmed and so Aaron came upstairs, you know, I said, how's your theatre? And I was like, yeah, cool. And, you know, we went into that. And then I, and then after, you know, we'd, you'd shared that, I was like, well, I'm just in that space where I'm just overwhelmed and I don't know what to do with all this stuff. And then you said, this, this is just too much for me. And then, I, you know, and then you kind of walked out, not walked out, slammed the door, but then like you went downstairs. And so, again, because of that, for me, my default programming is the Marta to do, and oh, well, I'll do it, that type of thing. I kind of went into this, and a lot of this was subconscious. It just then all came up, and I saw it. I was like, well, fuck, I've just done all this stuff. You've been off having your theta healing, da-da-da, and now I'm feeling like I've just been left with it. So I was aware that, again, I was aware of my feelings and I knew, and it's that balance between honoring the feeling and going, okay, this is how I'm feeling, but also not indulging in the feeling, going to story. This always happens. And I, so, so that's why when you came up, and of course my classic thing when I'm in a space like that, I can't, I can't look at Aaron in the eyes if I'm not being totally transparent of how I'm feeling. So classic example, I can't get away with anything. No. A, because you're so <laughs> empathic, B, because you know me so well, but see because I can't I just can't look at you in the eyes because I'm aware that I'm trying to hide something or there's something going on and so that's when you said so is there something you want to express yeah and so um yeah so that's just like a little example and then we kind of expressed we're both kind of and then you said the whole pono pono and like apologized yeah and I felt it but I couldn't quite accept it like I wanted and you could sense that I hadn't accepted you give me a kiss and held me and then you know and then you waited and then you said I'm sorry please forgive me I love you. Thank you. And then I was like, oh, and then I kind of melted again. And then we didn't have to go into it. Yeah. We didn't, haven't talked about it again since. It's just now. Yeah, of course. Mm. We, we cleared it. It was foreign. Um, mm. And you know what? Uh, yeah, and, you know, I was a little bit nervous in asking you um, what do you need to express because I had, a, a, an under, I had an idea of what it might be. Ah. Um, and then I knew that had the potential to tr- – trigger my shame of not being good enough 
Mm. Yeah. Of yeah. What did you think it would be? Then I well, then I walked out. Ah, uh, okay. So I was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was, but I knew that that had the potential to trigger my not enoughness, which it did. Yeah. I just breathed into it and recognised. Yeah. Okay, Greer saying that she's. Um, not feeling supported, not feeling appreciated is making me feel like I'm not enough because I can't do what she mm. wants or needs at mm. the moment. And for me, like, again, my not enoughness is my shame. My initial thing was like there was anger in my body, but I just had to breathe into it, mm. breathe into it. And then I had to be like rather than be right and try to get my point across, I just went straight to the ho hopopono. Ho o. The ho hopopono. Ho o hopopono. We'll do a pod- we'll do a podcast on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just uh, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. Mm-hmm. It's a really mm-hmm. powerful mantra to for forgiveness and clearing things. So. Mm. Yeah, we could definitely do a whole podcast just on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, cool. So, um, yeah, and you know what, just finally before we wrap up, what what uh, the, the gift of like going over this now, so yeah. have, like the gift of going over and we're genuinely like sharing our perspectives from the understanding so that we have a better understanding of one another because, of course, these patterns, they continue to play out. So this kind of scene, the scene will change the same pattern, you know, the states will pop up again. But as we go through those different phases, they, they come into a, there's more kind of distance from them, but, but there's more acceptance of the states. And so there's this allowing and there's this understanding that, like I knew it was triggering your not enoughness because of, um, you know, our past, our past things. So, and you knew what was triggering me. So it also, one of my kind of growing edges is um, Firstly, being aware of what I need and then having the courage to actually ask for what I want. So, mm. you know, if, if you had gone downstairs, if this was to play out again, for me to come downstairs, hey, babe, I reckon it will take me five minutes to do the final bit. I know it looks like there's heaps of stuff, but actually most of it's done. Can you get, come and give me a hand for five minutes, please? Mm. And to get better at asking for, you know, getting clear on what my need is and then asking for support in that. 100%. Mm. Exactly right. And I think where... Uh, potentially maybe a listener may get a block is because we're feeling shame and not enoughness we can often we don't like it's really uncomfortable to feel so I know for me if I was less aware had a lower state of consciousness then I may have gone and said like why do you have to be so sensitive I was just Mm. you know just overwhelmed for a bit and I just needed to get away and I was come back and help you why do you have to mm. make such a big deal out of something so small blah 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 mm. could have easily gone into that which is classic underdeveloped masculine yeah <laughs> making that yeah 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 and the because I'd blame you for making me feel shame yeah but it's like it yeah. just happens at such a, a subconscious level mm. you know it takes it's the journey like mm-hmm. this is the journey of mm-hmm. like being self-aware mm-hmm. being emotionally intelligent being able to articulate it in a way where we own our experience and share our perspective and we can also honor and recognize and appreciate the other's perspective absolutely and and this is why you know again like what our whole thing is that we work with singles and couples because whether yeah. we're in as I said we were both we were not together before we were together you know yeah. but but we were doing our own our own stuff and so we met at a time 
I really believe where our self awareness was coming into resonance mm. in terms of like the level of it was coming to yeah. really kind of resonance with one another and um, and so again you know whether whether you're the listener whether you're currently in relationship or not but if you're not then you can start to do that self inquiry start noticing what's you know what am I reacting to exactly because I know one of the core principles I was embodying and developing when me, we met was. Uh, and it comes from the NLP coaching world is cause and effect. Mm-hmm. I was becoming super aware of when I was being at the effect of the envir- environment around me, which is essentially being triggered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that was hugely beneficial for me in developing my self-awareness of noticing when I was being triggered. And that first step in noticing, we can then start to maybe do maybe journal or whatever it is to start to go in deeper and discover the why. Why mm. is this triggering me? Mm-hmm. Where is this coming from? Mm-hmm. What's the belief? Mm. that? What's the feeling? Is it shame? Is it guilt? You know, what is it underneath mm. the trigger? Yeah. And that's, that's the path. So if you're single, notice when you're being at the effect of the environment around you. And then that's going to have a massive uh, role when you find yourself in a relationship because a true relationship won't be trigger free. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, right. And in fact, the, the the more kind of we get into that being centered phase of our relationship, in some ways, there's bigger waves to ride because you there, there's there's a hundred percent freedom to express. So you see a lot. Yeah, because yeah. the the role of a really deep, meaningful relationship is to bring up these triggers so mm-hmm. we can heal them mm-hmm. so we can be less conditioned because mm-hmm. the more we you know get rid of this dense conditioning this shame this guilt the more we come into our authentic selves mm-hmm. our and we embody the truth of our soul which mm-hmm. is you know who we're meant to be yeah and when we live from this space there is genuine freedom but there's also way more purpose yeah so much more love so much joy and in, in, inner peace mm-hmm. Like all those states that we we want to live from will be mm. found when we live from our soul. Mm. Yeah, and that's a real gift in in finding a conscious relationship. Is we can we have the container for us to really do the inner work and be loved through that. To be loved through that, mm. and to to realize that what we feel so much shame about doesn't necessarily have to be so shameful. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I reckon that's a pretty epic yeah. test. We were just sitting there this morning. We thought, let's just give it a rouse. Let's give this a 100%. crack. And, and so. you know, this is sort of how we roll. We just, uh, I, I believe this is also part of what makes us pretty unique is we, we just give things a go mm-hmm. and we have the willingness just to not be perfect and mm. just to get the ball rolling. Mm. You know, we did that with our first frequency upgrade workshop. Yeah, and, we could. Um, yeah. You know, our first retreats and to, to look back now at what we're offering then and what we offer now, we've mm. obviously we've expanded and grown and deepened so much. And mm. I know this podcast is going to be the same. And yeah. Over time, we're going to get more polished. We'll, we'll get better at articulating ourselves. <laughs> and, but it's cool. Like, yeah, we don't have to be perfect to... To move forward, and that's something I'd really love to convey to the vis- the listeners. Is if there's something you want to do, if there's something you want to move forward on, don't mm. wait to have all your ducks lined up in a row. Mm. Like, yeah, take action, and you'll learn from your mistakes. Yeah, you'll 
see where things go wrong and you will adjust and you'll just get better as time goes on. Yeah. So yeah. As my um, brother-in-law said to like my sister when she was wanting to start jogging and he's like an incredible athlete and she was just wanting to and but she just wasn't and, and uh, he said, you know what, the best way to start is to start. And she's like, fuck off. <laughs> but it's true. And, you know, to move away from that, we're both ex-recovering like, perfectionists and, yep. and learn to in, enjoy the journey and um, have compassion for ourselves, you know, because mm. we really are all doing the best that we can with the resources we have. And um, when we really come to, to know that about ourselves, it becomes much easier and clearer that everyone else is doing that as well so we you know whether we're in relationship or family whatever we react less because we know everyone's doing their best everyone wants to essentially feel loved for who they are Mm. and we're all on the journey of of realizing that and knowing that 100 percent, and really that fear of failure is that fear of not being enough Mm -hmm. and quite often when we fail we realize we survive and we get through it and then we realize we are enough yeah yeah awesome woohoo Blessings to everyone. Blessed be. Blessed be. This is so love. So love. So love. Oh, so love. Maybe we'll just do our own jingle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.